0: You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. I love these summer series, and I'm really excited about this one. Look who's talking. So we are familiar with these kind of Bible stories, uh, particularly the parables of Jesus, and I do think that maybe our familiarity might be a crutch. That is, we start to hear the story and we're like, oh yeah, 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 I know what that's about. But then we don't actually listen to the story. Particularly we don't listen to the details of the story. So a new translation came out a number of years ago called The Voice, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but. Uh, in the voice Bible translation, they have not as a translation of part of the text, but just as a descriptor, you know how Bibles sometimes have notes or introductions or what have you. In, in that section of it, they have a definition of parable that I wanted to share with you today. So this is, this is what the voice says parables are. Parables are works of art, specifically works of short fiction. They are intricately constructed and complex in their intent. In some ways, they intend to hide the truth. They don't reduce the truth to simple statements or formula. Instead, they force the reader to take things to a deeper level, to engage the imagination, to think and to think again. In this way, they invite people to ask questions. They stir curiosity and they create intrigue. I don't know about the rest of you, but I kind of grew up uh, believing and maybe even being taught that Jesus used parables to make complex things simple, like theological things, spiritual things that might be hard to understand. Jesus is a good teacher, and he can use some object lessons, and he can make, again, those, those things that might be hard to understand uh, kind of simple, kind of boiling it down. But that is not what the Bible says that Jesus was doing with parables. When Jesus used a parable, his disciples said, why do you speak in parables all the time? And he says, I speak in parables to conceal the truth. Now that's not what I thought he was gonna say. I thought he was gonna say, I speak in parables to reveal the truth. Surely that's what Jesus meant. So when when he's told a parable and they said, why do you speak in parables? And he said, I tell parables to conceal the truth. Is that a parable? (laughs) Did he just answer their question with the parable? Like, how am I supposed to understand what that means? The word parable actually is sometimes translated as riddle. Think about that for a second. The, the, the word for parable in Greek is sometimes translated as riddle. And again, it is a teaching device. Ultimately, I think it is intended for revelation. But it's not necessarily simple revelation. It's revelation, again, that is complex, that invites us in, that makes us wonder, that piques our intrigue, that creates in us some curiosity. So I, my day job, as you know, is I'm a teacher. And when you're teaching, there's, there's one of the things that uh, the difference between students who are a joy to teach and students who are a challenge to teach, right? Uh, Students who often learn very well, very easily, and students who kind of struggle to learn. And one of those characteristics that separates the two is curiosity. It is so easy to teach a curious student, a student that wonders, why is it like that? You said this, but what about that? I read this, but then I thought about that. Curiosity. And How do you create curiosity in someone is not all that easy. I often pray for it. I do. I regularly pray, Lord, help my students be curious. (laughs) But I think the parables, and not just the parables, but the way the Gospels tell the stories of Jesus, both of those, both the parables themselves, which are short pieces of fiction that often sound like something familiar, but there's a little turn in the story. There's a little twist. There's something in there that doesn't sound quite right. And that's the part, actually, is like the hook that kind of pulls us in, that makes us lean in, not out, that makes us ask questions, that makes us think and reflect and ponder and contemplate. And, and it's so Jesus really is, I think, a master teacher. Not simply because he can take complex things and make them simple, but because he has that capacity to create curiosity in his listeners, to kind of draw them in. So this story that we're actually looking at today is not a parable. It is a story, though, and it's in a couple of the Gospels. We, we read Luke's version of it today. And I think the way in which Luke is telling this story is layered in the same way that Jesus layered parables, that there's, there's lots to learn. There's a very simple story at one level and there's something to gain from it. But if we listen carefully to the details, there's something else I think that's also being said. So this is a story of an exorcism. Now we don't often talk about exorcisms. We talk, at least we don't use that term anymore, right? Uh, we, we might talk about deliverance. We might talk about overcoming troubles. Uh, we might talk about healing you know, from sickness but the idea that there's a spiritual reality, and in that spiritual reality, there there are entities that are up to no good that oppress folks and torment them, and that what they need, people who are tormented need, is a sense of deliverance. But this is very much a part of the worldview that the New Testament presents to us. So it is an exorcism story. So Jesus is in a boat, as he often is, and they're kind of going to the other side of the lake as they often seem to do, and they find this guy and he is tormented uh, the guy's naked in public now I have a few times seen people naked in public but it's pretty rare and he is he is tormented his his life is in shambles right and so Jesus prays for him and this demon speaks and Jesus is like, "What's your name?" And the demon's like, "My name is Legion." <laughs> and that's—I mean, that's—it sounded pretty scary, right? It sounds like a like a movie or something. And so then, you know the story. It's fairly simple. Jesus delivers the man from this demon. He casts the demon into a herd of pigs, and then the pigs run down into the lake and they're drowned. And it says the guy's delivered. Uh, interesting how it ends. The guy wants to follow Jesus and Jesus is like, I tell you what, why don't you just stay here and tell people about God, which he says he does. But the rest of the crowd, they're like, if you don't mind uh, the Jewish rabbi, prophet, exorcist guy, why don't you go home? <laughs> like, this is a little disturbing. I don't know that we need this around here. And I think that's very interesting. I think it's an important part of the story, particularly when we read it, not simply as an individual deliverance to story, but at another level of kind of um, Jesus' power and Jesus' message to liberate us as a group, as a society, as a culture. And I think, I think these stories in the gospel, both the parables and the stories about Jesus, are often functioning at these different levels. Salvation is personal. I, I, I have been saved. But salvation is not private, it is is public, it's something that happens. If it's happened to me, then it's happened to all of me, not just me when I'm at home by myself, but but the me that I find wherever I am, right? Uh, At the grocery store, or at work, or at the park, or or what have you. And it's not just something that happens to us in some kind of isolation, right? David, it's happened here to David, and it's happened to Alan and it's happened to Robbie. But no, it, it's happened, it's happened to us. Like collectively. Like the power of Christ, the good news of the kingdom is not just the transformation of individuals, but the transformation of a society, a culture. This in fact, this is how Jesus describes the gospel. The gospel is that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom, the group. the the body politic, our lives together. And when we start to think about this story at that level, several things kind of rise to the surface. First, it says that Jesus went to the other side. That's code, right? When I, uh, where I grew up, the other side of the tracks was kind of the poor section of town, right? We often lived on the other side of the tracks, actually. Angela and I, at one, one house we lived in, uh, when the train came by, the windows would rattle. There was another apartment when the train came by. I'm pretty sure I never actually tried to do it. I could have high-fived the engineer. You know, I mean, it was, it was pretty close to the house. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't the nicest part of town, right? The other side was, was a place that was, it's called the Decapolis, the 10 cities, And it's a place the Gentiles would have lived that uh, the Jews would not only would they had not lived there, they would not have gone there. Like that would not have been there, a, a place that they would regularly go to. So the very fact that you have a Jewish rabbi going to the quote unquote other side would have already piqued some interest. Right. If you weren't curious about what Jesus was doing and then you hear that, hey, Jesus went over there, you're like, hmm, tell me more. What, what is that Jewish rabbi up to over there? What's he going to do over there with all those Gentile people in that pagan land, right? So Jesus goes to the other side, and then we find out that this, this guy is kind of possessed with the demon. And, and, every, and then all the Jewish hearers would have thought, well, of course, all those Gentiles are demon-possessed, right? right? There's, this, there's this sense of otherness that's going on. But then when, when Jesus speaks to this guy and the guy, the demon says, my name is Legion. Man, it's, it's like Tiffany's roll. Because Legion is a Roman military name for a large group of the military. In fact, this area, uh, this geographical area that Jesus was in including both the Jewish section that Jesus lived in and the Gentile section on the other side of the lake, that whole area, which, which included way north into Syria, that this, this part of Palestine was like the southern part of the area, but that whole region was controlled by the 10th legion of the Roman, of, of the Roman military. And so when this demon says, my name is legion, everybody would have thought, hmm, is this really happening, or is this a political critique? Is this rabbi really up to this, or is this story about about, uh, how the Jews want to be delivered from Rome? Questions would have been spinning in their minds about what does it mean? And this is where I think the layeredness of it really works because it's not simply personal or simply social because those, those demarcations are never that true. It's always blending. So let's think of a man who's living in a Gentile area who seems to be tormented and who, when he speaks, he says, I am legion. Many of the people who are living in that area would have thought. Uh, in the Roman, they would have been Roman legionaries fighting with the Roman military. And the Roman military was ruthless. When they, they conquered, they destroyed, they devastated. If you had served time in the Roman military, you would have seen a lot of death, a lot of blood, a lot of trauma. So much so that it would have tormented you. And in our contemporary verbiage, we would call this PTSD, right? Post-traumatic stress syndrome. That our, our lives are our very, the fabrics of our psyche seem to get thin and get pulled because the trauma, we don't sleep well, we don't, we don't think well, we're, we're filled with anxiety, we're filled with depression, we're filled with regret, we're filled with trouble we are kind of tormented. That this this man's life seems to have been torn by at least spiritually what's being referred to as Legion, but everybody knew what the Legion had been up to, the 10th Legion in that area, and what someone who's associated with them may have suffered. In fact, it's something that we know. Some, Some of the regular folks here at Oasis are former military and some of them are of a certain age that they fought in Vietnam. And they tell stories of what their experience of war was like. Some of you who are part of Oasis even younger, right? Were in Afghanistan. Like there's, and I know some of your stories and I've heard them. And of course there are other traumas that take place in our life. It's not, it's not just war, although wars can be horrific. But sometimes we're we're traumatized by other things in our culture, right? Today's Father's Day. It's a national holiday. Perhaps you've heard of it. (laughs) And, yeah, Happy Father's Day. And at at our best, it's something that we can kind of celebrate. I realize it's a little bit of a hallmark holiday, but, you know, I'd be happy to get, you know, a card or a text message and, hey, I like your dad, that kind of thing. No pressure on (laughs) anybody. No, just kidding. But... I can only imagine that there's some of you that a day like Father's Day can be traumatic. You either had an absentee father or you had an abusive father and that, how, what does it mean for you to be in, in this culture and everybody's saying, hey, Father's Day, why don't you buy a tool or buy a grill or, you know, do, do something like that. But yet your experience is very different. It's, it's traumatic. Today's another holiday, right? It's Juneteenth, right? So months after after the Civil War had ended, um, liberation had not come to uh, enslaved Black people in uh, Texas. It was months and months later that that the message finally got there, and it got there on June the nineteenth. So June the nineteenth is now a holiday. It's a it's a day of liberation. It's a day that can legitimately, I think, be celebrated as an Independence Day. So I know that July 4th in our national holidays can be an Independence Day, because it's the independence of America from England, right? We know that independence. But that independence did not get realized in the lives and bodies of a huge part of the population. They didn't experience independence until June 19th, 1965. 1865, right? And so that's a holiday. And so there's trauma there too, right? So the trauma that's in us and around us, whether, whether it's from our childhood, whether it's physical abuse or verbal abuse or sexual abuse or whether it's neglect or whether it's problems in our families or it's problems, larger, big problems in our culture, Right, that we experience with racism and sexism and classism and nationalism. These are the demons of our day. And if, if you don't think that's what a demon is, we need to reread C.S. Lewis's, uh, help me out, screw tape. screw tape letters, thank you, where Wormwood is saying, look, this is the way you deceive people. Not that you smack them in the face and tell them, um, hey, do evil. Right? Because good people aren't going to respond to that. You know, if I just came up to you and said, hey, I got a great idea. Let's go rob a bank today. You're going to be able to resist that temptation. <laughs> right? But it's the subtleties. Right? It, it's it's, um, it's the, uh, the ease of which the demonic works in our lives. That gets us to kind of cheat a bit on our taxes. Or maybe cheat a little bit in our hearts on our spouses, right? It's the subtlety of the demonic that I think really is at work in our culture. And it's one, I think, that is enormously powerful, hard to resist. So Jesus casts this legion, this this, uh, Roman military image into a herd of pigs, But once again, there's a detail, historical detail in the story that can be easily lost. There's a, the Roman legions would carry banners, uh, kind of saying, you know, this is who we are. It's kind of the ancient, we do it in some, in the modern day too, but this kind of ancient way of identifying the group that you're a part of. I want to show you a picture of a flag of the 10th legion. Hmm. I don't know what that makes you think about. I, I, asked, I asked a group earlier today, uh, somebody said about the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks. <laughs> so no, this, is a, this isn't the S, uh, SEC. Uh, somebody else said something about boar's head ham, which is very good, I'll, I'll grant you that. I could always like a good sandwich. But yeah, the, the 10th Legion was known as, as a pig, as a boar. And this demon has just said, I'm in legion. And Jesus said, we're going to take care of this. And he cast, he cast the demon right into the pigs. And then the pigs die. There's a message there. Again, it's not a singular message. This is not either or. You either read it as just a, a deliverance and an exorcism and a spiritual reality. Or you read this as kind of a social uh, deliverance and liberation. It's not either or, it's kind of both and, right? You don't end up kind of freeing the group without freeing people. And if you free people, if you free enough of them, eventually you will free the group. And this this is what we long for. So we just, we sang this song about how God is the same. The same God of Moses is our God. The same God of Mary is our God right? The same God of David is our God. The same God, Jesus, is our God, right? The same God of Paul is our God. The same God that delivered this man on the other side is our God. And our God will deliver us too. Our God will deliver us of our traumas. Our God will save us, will heal us, will will make us whole